on his plan to give Alyssa love. Remember that? Alyssa, Alyssa wanted love for Christmas, and so he was trying to give her love for the Christmas season, for her Christmas present, instead of a gift, to give her something she really wanted, she really needed. But while he was working on that plan to give Alyssa love, things go wrong with his brother Paxton. His brother Paxton spends most of his time playing video games. Well, he found himself involved with a wrong group of guys who stole Mrs. Hammonds's Cadillac, the town nearby. Well, late at night, one night, Jack gets a call from the jail in Clay, the name of the town, and he needs to go pick up his brother late at night. Ever since Jack and Paxton's dad died, Jack has been trying to help his younger brother, but to no avail. Pax still hasn't, uh, Pax still hasn't dealt with his dad's death. While Paxton is making things right with Mrs. Hammonds, who he stole the car from, Wyatt is able to get through to Paxton. Wyatt is an old guy that's kind of guiding Jack on this journey. Wyatt is able to get through to Paxton at least a little bit, and Paxton decides to move out of his mom's basement and to move in with Jack to get his life on track. In the process, though, Jack himself starts to experience some frustration and actual literal pain as a result of his trying to help others. And Wyatt, along with the help of Reverend Josephs, is able to help Jack begin to understand what peace really is. And so that's where we are in the story, and today we're talking about peace. It's the second candle of Advent. It's actually the second candle. The first candle is hope. We didn't do hope first. We did love first. So at least the second candle lines up. So if you talk to anyone else who went to church and they did Advent, that you can talk about peace this week. But today we're talking about peace. And um, we sang a song earlier that you probably heard a bunch of times called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Usually it's got a little bit different melody to it. I heard the bells on, not that one. There's like two melodies. Um, three melodies. There's two in the hymnal. I grew up singing it out of the hymnal. I'm not going to sing it for you because I'll mess it up. I've already embarrassed myself enough for one day. So um, anyway, this verse that we sang, it says, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, if you know the story behind that song, you know that it was written kind of during a time of war, and, and the author lost his son in that war, and that was one of the verses that resulted as a, 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 that he wrote as a result of losing his son, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. I think this was during World War II. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace is one of those words that we see all the time at Christmas, right? We, we see people talking about peace. We, we see the words peace written on all kinds of, of uh, signs and, and people's homes. People, You might even have the word peace up in your house or have it on a card that you received in the, in the mail or will receive in the mail this Christmas season. Peace is a theme at Christmas, and, and yet it seems like there's no peace. So, so why, do, why do we talk about peace at Christmas time when we live in a world where there is 
no peace. Our world is definitely not at peace. We are not at peace. In fact, there are approximately 60 wars or conflicts going on in the world right now. There have been over 15,000 wars, as we saw in that video at the beginning of the service. 15,000 wars since, since Jesus. There's not, any, not a whole lot of peace. In fact, our country, you would say, I would say, our country is at war with itself and has been for quite some time. You know, we, we are at war with one another in this country. And it appears, at least from my perception, my perspective, it appears that, that things are getting worse, not better. Now, I know a lot of ways things are getting better, not worse, but, but there are plenty of ways we can see that peace seems to be eroding. And in fact, there are studies that actually prove this, that, that our peace in the United States, our peace in America is actually going backwards. And, and, and we've gone downhill and backwards when it comes to peace in our country. We're going the wrong direction. So as a world, I think it's safe to say, I don't think anyone would argue that, that we're not at peace, but, but how about with ourselves? Let's not talk about the world at, at large, but how about with ourselves? Are we at peace with ourselves? And that was why I wanted to uh, do some puzzles here. Imagine, if you will, that this, this Barbie puzzle, because everyone knows that Barbie represents all of humanity, and, uh, and this is... This is, you know, God's design for how you're supposed to live and look and, you know, you get kin and everybody gets happy. It all works out just according to, you know, the box. Everyone, everyone's happy in the end. You get all, all your peace. So let's imagine, just for fun, if you will, that this puzzle represents your life. If you're not female... That might be challenging, but I don't think it's that much of a stretch because I don't think it's really a realistic representation of females either. So um, just imagine, if you will, because it's the one with the biggest face on the box, that this is you. This represents your life. This represents not just your life, but your life as God designed it. Your life as, as God intended it from the beginning I was going to have this puzzle all put together and it would make a better illustration that way. But you're just going to have to use your imagination. You guys have strong imagination. So, so you can imagine like this whole board is filled up with this puzzle. And, and so we've got this puzzle and, and it represents you. This Barbie puzzle represents your life and how God designed it. Now, um, at some point in time, something happened to the puzzle. Right? So at some point in time, this puzzle that, that had been designed and, and, and had an intent, you know, a way that it was supposed to look, a way that things were supposed to go and how it was supposed to be, somewhere along the way, the puzzle got messed up. The puzzle broke. There we go. Four pieces. And here's four. And, and, I think, and I think it might be a representation for us in our lives that, that um, we recognize, I think, we're probably not at peace with ourselves, right? That something is not, something is not right 
even with us. So not only is the world not at peace, but we really aren't at peace with ourselves. There, there, there is something wrong, and in fact, this puzzle, which has 48 pieces, only had 47 pieces when it was together on the table, so it was actually missing a piece. It's, it's, there's, there's a missing piece to our peace. Keep this in mind as we go through our time. Um, what is peace? Well, we saw it in the video. Oftentimes, I think we talk about peace as being the opposite of conflict, that we think when we have peace, then there is no war, and so that, so that if we're at peace, then that means that there's no conflict. Well, that, that's kind of a partial definition of it. But like he said in, in the video, peace at its core is wholeness. So if we were going off of this illustration of the puzzle, that when the puzzle is put together completely and no pieces are missing as it was originally designed by whoever created this puzzle, uh, when it's all together, when, when all of the pieces are together in the puzzle as it's supposed to be, there is peace, right? And so right now there is no peace with this puzzle because it's not whole, it's not wholeness. So peace is and this should be up on the screen for you, peace is to take what's missing and restore it to wholeness. That's what peace means. That's what peace is. It's to take what's missing and then restore it to wholeness. So peace isn't just the absence of conflict or not being at war. Peace is a state of rest that comes in direct result of wholeness being restored. So if this whole puzzle was put back together and all the pieces were together as they're supposed to be and we weren't missing any pieces, then, then you would feel a sense of rest. And like right now, I feel angst. I don't feel at rest because this puzzle was not put together like I thought it was going to be. So my illustration is making me feel anxious at the moment. I, I feel anxiety because the illustration is not how I intended it to be. I don't know if you ever feel that way. If, if you ever feel like there's, if you ever feel like there's some stress in your life because it just doesn't seem like things in your life are the way they were supposed to be, would you say that you're at peace? I don't know if I would say that I'm at peace. And and what I know is that more and more I hear from people in our world today, that, that, that peace is missing, that, that there's just not a lot of peace, that it feels like something is wrong, feels like something is missing, and, and everything in my life is overwhelming. We're not at peace. And if we're not at peace, then I'm the kind of guy that asks the question, why? Why why aren't we at peace? And, and isn't Christmas supposed to be about peace? And if, if it's about peace, then why isn't there peace on earth? And if that was the promise, then why isn't that being fulfilled in our day and age? Why don't we have peace on earth like the angels said? If Jesus' birth was, was supposed to bring peace on earth, where is it? And we would say, I think, that we live in, in the most enlightened time that has ever existed in all of, the, all of humanity, all of the human race. We, we're, more, we're smarter now, at least that's what we think. We're smarter now than we've ever been. We're more enlightened than we, ever, we have ever been. 
And if that's true, if that is actually how things are, we are more enlightened, then why are so many people struggling with feelings of anxiety and uncertainty, anger and brokenness, and all of these feelings that seem to be so popular in our our day and age? Why is mental health going in the wrong direction? Why is suicide among teens skyrocketing? Why? Are we not at peace? Something is definitely not right. Colossians 3, or Colossians 1, verse 15, is where we're going to spend part of our time here looking at the Bible. I want you to know this, the, the answers that I'm going to give for why I think things are the way that they are do not come from my mind. They do not come from my thoughts. They come from God's Word and His teaching, and so I want you to know it's not based on my opinion, but this is based on what God has taught. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it's an incredible, incredible passage here. It says that He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, whoever saw Jesus, He was the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation, verse 16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, I know that this might be a stretch, but I just ask if you will, if if you're not quite sure that you agree with what's being said here, just give me the benefit of the doubt for the time being and, and track with me and see if it doesn't start to make sense might be hard to say that, yeah, okay, yeah, Jesus created everything right. I'm not sure that I believe that. Well, just, just, let's just give the Bible the benefit of the doubt for the moment and see where it takes us. All things were created through him and for him, verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Incredible picture. So he was before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, so he is the head of our church. I am not the head of this church. He is the head of our church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And this is important, so listen to this verse in particular, verse 20. And through him, that is through Jesus through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace by the blood of the cross. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? He's the firstborn of all creation. Everything was made by him. Everything is held together by him. That's amazing when you think about it in terms of what we're talking about this morning. Through him, through Jesus, reconciliation with God is actually possible. And because he made peace with God on our behalf through his blood, now we can actually have peace with God. So with our working definition that peace is to take what's missing and restore it to wholeness, then Jesus actually brings peace through his death on the cross, that that what he did by dying on the cross and shedding his blood on the cross, he makes things right. He, He brings peace and restores us to wholeness with the Father. 
And so if this, is, if this is the path to peace, if this is the way that we can experience peace, then, then the result of this peace should also lead us to rest, right? I mean, if we have peace, then, then the result of peace is rest. I'll explain more about that in a minute. But as, as you see, the more whole we become, the more the puzzle gets put back together, the more at rest we will be, the, the less angst and anxiety there will be, the, the more rest we will have. But the problem is, the problem is that instead of letting God through Jesus restore us to wholeness, we keep trying to do some things ourselves. So, Instead of letting Jesus, through his work on the cross, take the pieces of the puzzle that he designed, which is what we just read, that he designed the puzzle, he created it, he had a purpose for it, he had an intent for it, and and he created each and every one of us in this room with a purpose, for a purpose, and so he had a design in mind when he created us, and, and what happened at the fall is that the puzzle broke apart, the puzzle fell to pieces. And with it, our peace fell to pieces. And, and because of the fall, because we rebelled against God, we decided we wanted to do things our own way. Well, we have been in pieces ever since. But what Jesus did is on the cross is now, now this brokenness that we have, this falling apartness that we have, Jesus actually started to put the pieces back together. And, and, and he started to restore things how they were supposed to be. And, and we receive this gift in salvation when God starts to restore us. But the problem is that even for a lot of us who have received this gift, we still want to fix ourselves. Right? We, we, don't, we don't want to turn over total control to God. We don't want to release all of our control to God and just trust that he's going to do the right thing. We, we instead, what we want to do is we want to say, you know what? Okay, I see, I, I see how, how this works here, but you know what? I'm not really a Barbie kind of a girl. I know that's not what you expected your pastor to say on a Sunday morning, but I'm not really a Barbie kind of a girl. I, I'm more of an Anna kind of a girl. So how about I just take this piece, and it doesn't quite fit. But I think... I. There we go. And so, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm more of an Anna, and so I want to be like this, and so I want to fix it myself. I want to do things my way. So thank you, God, for your gift of salvation, but instead I want to be this. I want to fill this hole with this piece instead. And I think some of us actually do even other things than this. So, so this is Frozen, and I'm not going to sing the song. I'll spare you that one. But, but this one here is Avengers, right? And we've got the Hulk, and we've got Iron Man, and, and Thor, and some, some characters here. And I think what we, what we maybe do is we say, I'm not, I'm not Barbie. I'm not Anna. I'm Iron Man. And so I want the fist. I want the power of Iron Man. I want to, I want to be in control, and and so we start to make things. We start to try to force things that really don't work together. Ah, yes, got it. And and oh 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 yeah, because um, well, I, I'm kind of like the Hulk because you know I get angry, 
And I have a right to get, I have a right to be angry. All the things that have happened to me, I, I deserve to be able to be upset with these things. And so, so, so what we do is we take this, this original image, this original picture that God designed and created us for look, uh, to look a certain way that he had planned, and we start to cram in these other pieces, and, and we don't have peace, right? I mean, we don't have peace because it's not whole. And then what's even better then is that we, from our brokenness, from our messed up pieces, we, we say, you know what, here, this, this whole uh, Iron Man thing really helped me for a little while, so, so here, let's, let's, let's see if we can get it in your puzzle. And we go and we try to help other people cram things into their life that don't belong. And, you know, and it doesn't... You know what? It just doesn't doesn't always work out right at, at first. But if you keep trying, if you add enough, if you add enough of it, you know, eventually it's going to work out, right? I mean, if you, oh, there we go. See, see, I told you, if you just keep at it long enough and you persist at it, then then you will get the peace that you're looking for. You'll get. The wholeness. And so, so we take our brokenness and the things that we've done to fill and cram into the areas of brokenness in our own lives, things that weren't designed to go there, things that, that God did not create to fill those holes, and, and we take them and we start to, to share them with others and say, here, let me help fix you. And we cram our broken ideas into their broken puzzles. And no wonder we don't have any peace. Right? I mean, no wonder we don't have any peace in, in our lives or in the world today is because, because we're trying to cram all of these things, not only in our lives, but to help others with things that, that weren't designed to go there. See, the only way to have peace and to start experiencing rest is to stop trying to fix ourselves and, and find peace with God through Jesus. That's, that's the only way to, to really find peace and to start experiencing rest is to find our peace with God through Jesus Christ. But I want to say something, especially if you are a part of our church and you've been around here for a while, that this is only the beginning. This is only the starting point of peace. Because I think there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of believers who, who started out the right way, but then along the way we've turned away from asking God to do things his way, and we've gotten back to, um, I want this piece in my puzzle. It's not that I don't trust you, it's just that I think I know better. I, I think I understand my own life. It's a really freaky looking thing right now with the eye sideways and Hulk. I mean, it's weird. The, this, this peace that comes through the cross and the forgiveness of sins, it's only the starting point. It's only the beginning. Jesus gives us peace with God, yes. But it's not just non-believers. It's not just those who don't have Jesus in their lives, that don't have peace. There are many, many, many Christians who seem to not be at peace. There are many Christians who don't seem to be experiencing God's rest, right? I mean, I myself don't always seem to be experiencing God's peace and his rest, 
Why is that? Why is it that, that, that I should be, according to Scripture, at peace with God, and yet I don't feel at peace? What is, what is creating this discord, this disharmony? And what I would say is that it's not just about starting the race, it's about running it. It's not just about starting at the starting line and going in the right direction, but it's about actually running the race. That, that we don't just start and expect that from the beginning God has put the whole puzzle back together while we're sitting here and it's all perfect as we live on this earth. Of course, from his perspective, he sees us in the righteousness of Christ, but where we stand, we're an unfinished work and there's still work to be done. And, but we think, oh, uh, well, I don't need to do anything anymore. I don't need to work on anything. I don't need to let, more importantly, God work on me. See, the point of salvation is not just to save us from hell. It's actually restoring us to the Father. Salvation is not just to save us from the danger of hell, which is what most people are sold, but it's actually restoring us to the Father and, and more correctly, restoring us into right relationship with the Father, that we can have a relationship with God the Father because of what God the Son did in Jesus Christ. So the point of all of this is actually transformation. It's like we said, it's, it's looking less like Adam and more like Christ. Ravi Zacharias has said, and I think uh, it might be credited to C.S. Lewis, though I'm not sure that's an actual accreditation, but you've probably heard this quote, Jesus Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. The point is not to, to adjust and tweak our behavior just a little bit, but instead the point is to make us alive. So Jesus was the only whole, complete human that, that I am made to be, but have failed to be, and now he gives me his life as a gift, right? Jesus was the whole, complete human. He was the perfect picture, the perfect put-together puzzle, and now he gives me his life as a gift, and I receive this new life, but, but it's not about what happens after we die and we're in right standing with God. It's also about what happens after God brings us to life. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. That's one of the things that we teach around here quite regularly is that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, that, that you were buried with him through baptism and raised to new life in Christ, that, that before him our spirits were consumed with ourselves and dead in our transgressions, dead in our rebellion, dead in our sin against God. But he restored us. He resurrected our spirits and gives our spirit a new life. So, so we've been brought from death to life. And now we have life in us. But it's not just about receiving that gift of life. It's about what happens after God brings us to life. So turn your attention with, with me, if you will. Turn your focus with me in this direction. Is our focus on ourselves and our puzzle, which is where a lot of us, I think, spend our time, spend our life focused on our puzzles and our missing pieces and, and the things that we want. Is, is our focus on us and our puzzle, or is our focus instead actually on the one who gave us this gift of life? 
Is our confidence still in our own ability to put the puzzle back together? Have, have we just kind of gone to God and said, you know what, thank you for your gift of salvation, but I got it from here. I, I can work it out from this point. I don't really need your help anymore. And so, so thank you for the free gift. Now it's all about me and my ability to put the puzzle back together how I want it to look. Is our confidence still in our own ability, our own ideology, our own work ethic? Or have we actually turned our focus away from our own puzzle and put the focus on Jesus? Hebrews chapter 3 uh, is the rest of our scripture for this morning. We're going to start cruising here to the end. In the beginning of Hebrews 3, uh, the author is talking about how, how the Israelites came out of Egypt and how while they were coming out of Egypt, they were actually rebelling against God, that they wandered in the wilderness and they were continuing to rebel against God. And how that's a picture for us, how God has led us out of bondage to our own sin, how we were all enslaved to our sin, to our sinful, our sinful ways before Christ, how we were in bondage to that. And now Jesus, just like Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, Jesus has led us out of this bondage, out of our Egypt, out of our slavery to sin. And now that Jesus has redeemed us, are we going to... Like the Israelites followed the cloud or wish we could go back to our old life. Are we going to follow the cloud wherever the cloud leads, which is what would happen in, in the wilderness, or are we going to want to and desire to go back to Egypt? You know, do we want to go back to the life we knew, the life we understood, the life that, that made sense to us? Even though, yeah, we were slaves and things weren't so great and some of us died, some of us got murdered once in a while. You know, it wasn't perfect, but we knew, we, I mean, we had food, we knew where our meal was coming from. Are, are we like that where, where God has set us free from Egypt and, and all we have to do is follow him where he leads us, but instead we're like, no. That, that kind of makes more sense to me. The equivalent of that is saying, here's, you know, God is leading us towards a wholeness, a, a completed puzzle, but, but what we say is, no, um, all these pieces kind of strewn about and not put together, this is what makes sense to me. This is how I know my life to work. This is how I know things to go. And so instead of following you where you lead me, which is towards wholeness and peace and rest, I'm going to stay here in the mess, in the chaos. And what Hebrews 3 says is that the Israelites hardened their hearts towards God in the wilderness. They even heard his voice. They heard sounds. They saw signs. They saw visible evidence, manifest presence of God, and they continued in their rebellion against him. So if, if it's not just that the world isn't at peace, and it's not just if those who don't believe aren't at peace, but Christians today seem to have less peace, why is it? Why why do we have less peace? Why aren't we resting in Christ? Could it be that we've hardened our own hearts? Could it be that, that we've started to fall into the danger of the Israelites where, where our confidence is still in our own ability to put the puzzle back together and our focus is still on ourselves and our ideology and our way of doing things? Could it be that our confidence is in our own flesh and in our broken puzzle instead of in Jesus' resurrection. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. He's talking to believers here, by the way. He's talking to those who have already put their faith in Jesus. And he's saying, see to it, brothers and sisters. He calls them brothers and sisters because they're in the family of God. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily. Listen to this, especially for us as a church, because we want to be a church that's all about encouragement and lifting one another up and encouraging one another in our journey towards, towards Christ and our faith journey. Listen to this, and this should become a hallmark for us. This should be something that, that we do all the time. Encourage one another daily as long as it is still called today. If you have an encouragement to give someone today, give it to them today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Actually, somebody gave me an encouragement, and uh, and and last Sunday after the service, uh, and I was, uh, you know, oftentimes on Saturday nights I have a hard time falling asleep. My mind is all consumed with the sermon and and that kind of a thing. And and without saying anything, God sent someone to me to encourage me along that exact thing, that specific thing. Someone came to me with a word of encouragement, addressing that specific issue. And that's what we want our church to look like, that, that when, God, when God prompts you to, to go and do something, to say something, to encourage someone, do it today. Do it while it's still called today. Why? Why should we do it today and not wait until tomorrow? Listen, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Not just, not just for the person you might be encouraging, but for, for your own sin, for your own obedience. See, we, it says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. The way to share in Christ is not just getting that get out of hell free card, but it's actually holding to our original conviction firmly all the way to the end, all the way on the journey, all the way through the race. And he's going to reference back what he'd been talking about earlier in the chapter. He said, as has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. You know, I think we're in great danger of doing that today. Not just today, but in today's world, where maybe, you know, we hear God's voice on a Sunday, and I hear God's voice on Sundays talking to me. Even though I'm, I'm talking, I still, I still hear God's voice talking to me. And, and there are lots of times when, when I don't always listen. But today, what if today was different? What if today, all of us here, when we heard his voice, if you hear, if you hear him talking to you right now and his spirit is talking to your spirit and he's encouraging you, what if instead of just hardening our hearts and saying, no, I'm good, I'll do it on my own, I, I, I can put my puzzle back together. What if instead of saying that, we didn't harden our hearts and reject God when he wanted to do something for us, we just, we said, okay. Have it your way. Verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? 
Who were the ones that rebelled in the wilderness? Weren't they the ones that Moses led out of slavery in Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? In fact, the story is, if you don't know the story, God wouldn't let them into his rest, into his promised land, because they rebelled against him, including Moses. Moses himself was not allowed into the promised land because he rebelled against God. I can explain that to you afterwards if that doesn't make sense. I don't have time to get into it right now. And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? Listen to this. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. What do you mean they didn't believe? And they, how could they not believe? They, they followed Moses out of, out of Egypt and, and followed him wherever he, How did they not believe? Well, when they were in the wilderness and, and, and God was walking them on this faith journey, they didn't believe. They didn't continue on believing. That's why he says, we have come to share in Christ if, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. So I have to ask us some questions. Do we really believe? Myself included, do I, do I really believe? Not just in an intellectual sense, because belief isn't just intellectual, it's spiritual and it's practical. It's not just agreeing with the concepts and the ideas, which is how we use the word in our culture today, so we have to get away from that way of thinking because that's not what believe means. Belief is not an, an intellectual agreement. Belief means that you reorder your entire life around this thing. So belief isn't just intellectual, it's spiritual and it's practical. It changes my spirit, it changes my heart, and then it changes my practice, it changes my behaviors because I have been made new, I act in a new way. Do we really believe? See, we don't just agree ideologically, it's a heart change that moves us to adapt our methodology. We don't just agree ideologically. It's a heart change that moves us to adapt our methodology. Do we believe? Do we really believe? Are we believing right now? Do you believe right now or are we questioning? Do we keep having questions and doubting God's original design and his original promises? Do, do we really doubt that actually Jesus even came in the first place? Could, did that really happen? Do we, do we doubt do we believe, and not only do we believe, but do we encourage one another to keep on believing? Are you encouraging others to keep on believing? Are we encouraging one another in our family while it's still called today? It says there, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So that's how sin works. It just kind of sneaks in, and, and over time, just a little bit, a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a shift, day at a time, day at a time, week at a time, week at a time, just keeps turning the knob, turning us one degree at a time away from God, and slowly we find ourselves pointed the wrong direction, and our hearts are hard to the ways of God. And I think one of the reasons we have a hard time 
experiencing peace is because sin has deceived us. I'm not talking the major ways that we always go to in our minds. That's not what I mean. So, so don't, don't write this statement off because, well, I, you know, I'm not cheating on my spouse, so, so I'm not sinning right now. It might not be overtly obvious to any of us. But if, in the end, here's, here's what I'm drawing my conclusion towards. If, if the end, in the end, our focus is on anything else besides Jesus, we're not going to experience his peace and rest. It's not a scale of good to bad. It's not like if I can get closer towards the good side of the scale, then I can tip things in my favor by my good behavior. It's not a scale of good to bad. It's actually a scale of death to life, and we're either moving towards life or we're moving towards death. We're either moving towards life and God's life and his design for us, and if our focus is not on Jesus, then we're not moving towards that life. We're actually moving towards our death. We're not, we're not following the cloud. We're actually looking back to Egypt. We're not going where Jesus wants to go. We're actually looking back to our bondage and our slavery and our sin. We're not walking towards what God has for us. We're walking away because we're either moving towards life or away from it. In chapter 3, it uses this idea that God is the builder of the house. You might say that God is the designer and the builder, the putter together of the puzzle. I speak real good English. And the Bible says, unless God builds the house, the workers labor in vain. Unless it is God who is putting the house together, all of our efforts are in vain. See, God designed the puzzle. He knows how the pieces go. He knows what it's supposed to look like. He's the one that can see the picture on the cover of the box. We can't see the picture on the box. But by the way, he didn't just make the picture on the cover of the box. He made the box and he made all of the original ideas in the first place. He made the puzzle. And the only way for us to experience God's peace is to actually be focused on the one who can put the puzzle back together the way it's supposed to go. We don't gain peace by focusing on the puzzle. We gain peace by focusing on the one who made the puzzle. Otherwise, we're taking pieces of these other puzzles and and we're trying to force them into our lives. Pieces of a puzzle that were made by people in this world who pretend to be like God but aren't. Trying to cram these into parts of our life that God made only for himself. And as long as we keep trying to cram in these wrong pieces, we will never experience peace. As long as we keep trying to force things to work according to our own ability, our own ideology, and our own work ethic, we won't experience peace and rest. So how do we find peace? We let God build the house. We let God, the designer, put the puzzle back together. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, You, God, some old translations say thou, that's how I learned this verse. You, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
Do you want peace? Are, are you looking for peace? Are you longing to have peace? Well, the way to peace, peace the path to peace is by having our mind stayed steadfast, focused on God, trusting in God, being consumed with God, and that is where we find peace. In the video, it said, a peace that passes understanding, and it's a phrase I use and quote all the time. But do you, do we have a peace that passes understanding? Do we, do we have a peace, that, pass, a, a peace that, that we cannot explain? Do you have a sense of peace in your life that is just, I don't know why it's there, I don't know why it exists, but I just have this peace? To the world around, you might be going through trials and tragedies, struggles and all kinds of bad things, but, but still you have peace through it all because your focus is not on the puzzle, but it's on the Prince of Peace. Do you have a peace that passes understanding, or are you struggling under the weight of anxiety? Could it be? Is it possible that what we're doing is looking for peace in external circumstances? We're looking for peace in other puzzles instead of receiving God's internal peace, His wholeness. Could it be that we're looking to sources outside of God's design and God's plan to try to fit into our own puzzle so that we might be able to get some peace and it's not a part of God's plan and so we don't have peace? Are we the ones trying to build our house? Are we the ones trying to make the puzzle, build the puzzle? Are we trying to force pieces that don't fit in from wrong puzzles into our own puzzle? Are we even at odds with ourselves? I don't know if you felt like that, but I've had times in my life where I felt like I was at odds with myself because my focus was on myself and not on God. Are we trying to define peace in our own terms like the Jews did with Jesus, or are we just receiving his peace? When I was a kid... Actually, in the house that we live in now, even though I grew up in Ohio, we would come out here and visit my grandfather. And uh, in, the, in the cupboard that we used as a pantry, there were a lot of puzzles. And because I love my family, I'm not going to illustrate this. I don't want my kids to have to pay for my sins. But what I did, and these were like, these were like a thousand-piece puzzles. What I did as a kid, my grandpa called me a PI, private, inspect, uh, private inspector, because I was always curious, always investigating things, always looking into stuff that I probably shouldn't be looking into. Well, one day, my sister and I, we got into this cupboard. We got into uh, the puzzles. And we took all the puzzles and mixed them all together to make one big puzzle, right? So we just made this big. And so I don't know how many boxes there were, four, five, six, I don't know, boxes of a thousand piece puzzles, and they're all mixed together. And uh, my grandpa, actually, uh, my, my grandmother, my grandmother died. She had dementia when she died, and she, some things in the house just went missing. And, but my grandpa actually was saving that to give to me for my wedding, and it got thrown away. 
but uh, he was going to give it back to me so I could have the joy of sifting through all of the pieces that I had messed up and put together in this one big mess of puzzle pieces and put the puzzles back together. But isn't that kind of what we do? I mean, don't we kind of do that same thing where it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to try some stuff from here and some stuff from here and some stuff from here. And I'm going to try to mix all these things together because, you know, it's my, it's my life. And I want to do what I want with my life. Don't tell me how to live my life. And we take all these puzzles and all these pieces from all these puzzles and, and we put them into this one big bag and we start pulling handfuls of pieces out and we just try to force them together in hopes that maybe we can make something that looks like something. And in the end, none of it works. Peace. Wholeness taking what's missing and restoring it to wholeness. What's missing from our lives this morning? Let's stand together. As the worship band comes up and uh, we turn our focus towards communion... I want to turn our attention to the cross. We sang the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. We are going to sing again part of the song, Sweetly Broken. And I want to turn our attention there because that is where it begins. That is where peace was made with God on our behalf. That, that it's the result of what Jesus Christ did on the cross where he paid for our sins with his death on that cross. He suffered the wrath that we deserve to pay because our sin and our rebellion put us at odds with God. We have a broken relationship with God if it were not for Jesus Christ. But his death on that cross, because he lived the perfect sinless life, he was the son of man and the son of God, his death on that cross paid for the sins of all who believe. So we turn our attention towards the cross, even though it's Christmas time, because that's the, only, that's the only way to experience peace, this peace that was mentioned. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Those who have peace, those who experience peace, those whose uh, the rest of, or the peace of God rests on are the ones who have believed that's why we're at odds. You know, even though, even though there's, you know, maybe this may be a more peaceful time than other times, this is not a peaceful time in our planet. This is not a peaceful time in the world. And in fact, there's a time in Revelation where it says that God is actually going to remove his peace from the world and, and we will know what the absence of peace feels like. But, but God's even given us a gift of, of common grace and peace in our world. And so you might have a little bit of peace, but it's just a taste, right? It's just this little bit of a taste that says, I want more of this. I, I just want some more. I, I, and maybe, maybe you actually don't have any. Maybe you have no peace at all. The path to peace is through the cross. It's, it's by dying to this life 
and my desire and my right to put my puzzle back together and saying, God, it's your puzzle. Do with me what you will. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of peace. And that even though I, at this moment, do not experience your perfect, complete peace, that there's still stuff you're working on in me, that there's still stuff you're changing in me, that that there's still ways that you're growing me and shaping me more into the image of your Son, that that I am I am on a peace journey towards rest. And someday, because of what you did through your Son, Jesus Christ, I will enter into your rest. I thank you that that is the reality for all who believe, that that we are on this peace journey towards you. Father, I thank you that, that you are the one that designed the puzzle and that you're the one that's putting the puzzle of my life back together. I thank you that I don't have to do that because I know I could not. I thank you for all of the puzzles, all of the pieces of artwork that you have drawn together in this room this morning, that you created and designed on purpose for purpose, that there is no accident in this room but that you have drawn us all together and that you have brought all these puzzles together and that your, your desire, your hope is that we will turn the control of our puzzles over to you and let you do with them as you will and restore us to wholeness. Father, any area of our life where we are not at peace, I pray not only would you reveal that to us, but Father, help us to turn our attention off of ourselves in that area and turn our focus to you. Help us to look to you, our Savior, our Redeemer. And if we need that gift of peace for the first time, if we have not received that gift of God's grace, Father, open up our hearts right now to receive it. Open up our minds to see that I am at odds with God. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I am giving God the finger by the way that I live my life. I am rebelling against Him. I I'm telling him, I don't need your help. I want to do it my own way. Help me to see that that is the way I'm living my life. And Father, help me to move from that to belief that, that I believe now in what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross. I believe that he wants to restore me to wholeness, that he paid the price for my sin, for my rebellion, for, for my sticking it to God, and that he paid the price for that. And if I believe in him believe in him and I give my whole life over to him and I put that old life to death so that he can raise me to a new life in Christ and I commit my life from this point forward to him and letting him put the puzzle back together that he will move me to peace and rest Father we thank you for this fill us as your vessels to overflowing with peace that we may be instruments of peace in a world at war with itself in Jesus name